here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Now... Everyone's commented but me, and I'm really the one that knows what he's talking about when it comes to this Mueller-McGahn matter. Now, it would be foolish for me to pretend that at least some of this article isn't true. It doesn't help us to just blow off this stuff and dismiss it. It is from the New York Times... And the New York Times runs a lot of stories that are highly questionable and biased. But still, if you're trying to discern what's going on out there, since people aren't presenting it to us, you know, over the table, it's under the table, we've got to look at this stuff. And the headline of this story on Saturday was, White House Counsel Don McGahn has cooperated extensively in Mueller inquiry. Now, what do we actually know? The president has said... I told him to cooperate. I told everyone to cooperate. I'm transparent. Okay. President's early private attorneys advised the president. Yeah, McGahn should talk to the prosecutor's office. Almost 30 White House staffers have talked to the prosecutor's office. The president has not asserted. It's not attorney-client privilege. It would be executive privilege. I'm seeing terms thrown around. And arguments made even by lawyers that are nonsensical, way off point. Even by McGahn's lawyer, quite frankly. I think his name is Burke. Now let's walk through this slowly and try and make this understandable. We need to unravel it. The relationship of these attorneys to the president and so forth. Don McGahn is the White House counsel, counsel to the president. He's not counsel to the office of the president. There is no lawyer that represents the office of the president, I would tell Don McGahn's lawyer, Mr. Burke. There's no such thing. Mr. McGahn is a lawyer to the president as president. He's not his private lawyer, but he's his lawyer that assists the president with presidential matters. But there is no lawyer for the office of the president. That's number one. So let's get off that. Number two. If, in fact, we'll play along, as Mr. Burke says, Mr. McGahn is the lawyer for the office of the president, then Mr. McGahn would have independent power to resist the special counsel in order to protect the institution of the office of the president and hence the Constitution. Mr. McGahn didn't do any of that. Mr. McGahn said he had no choice through his lawyer but to appear for an interview with Mr. Mueller and his staff because he was ordered to do so by the president, which, of course, underscores the point that he's the president's lawyer as president, right? Number three, I have no idea what the president's earlier private counsel were thinking, but the idea that they would agree and, in fact, argue 
that one way to move this investigation faster is for the White House counsel, the president's counsel, to be interviewed by the prosecutor is the dumbest thing I've ever heard a lawyer to advise a president, period. You know, uh, the counsel to the president is different even than the chief of staff to the president and all the other staffers. He's a lawyer. He has special ethical obligations to his client, the president, as president. He has a special responsibility to protect the president as president and the Constitution and the office of the president, even though he's not a lawyer for the office of the president. These are things that Mr. McGahn needs to keep in mind, I would remind his lawyer. He spent 30 hours off and on over a period of nine months, according to the story, being interviewed by the special counsel's office. Now, there's some odd things about this. Just think them through. If you're the counsel to the president, you're Mr. McGahn. How do you continue to serve as counsel to the president and at the same time provide testimony, that is, get interviewed by the special counsel's office? Was there a cutoff point? beyond which you weren't providing any additional information? Was this subject limited, or was it open-ended? Because just imagine the damage to the office of the presidency and the president. You're the president of the United States. You have one White House counsel. That White House counsel advises you on presidential matters as they come up. You want to advance your policies as president. You need legal input as president, and so forth. How can he sit in on those meetings, have those discussions with the president, and at the same time, or about the same time, be providing interviews to the special counsel? The president may turn to his special counsel and say, look, I want to fire the FBI director. This is what I want to do. So how do I do this? What do I say? What should I do? And he gives him his, his opinions, and he doesn't expect those to be repeated. But you see, the counsel to the president has his own obligation. And Mr. Burke should know this. Even if the president advises his counsel, go ahead and talk to the prosecutors. Because the president's private attorneys think it's a great idea. The counsel to the president, Mr. McGahn, should do what? He should stop being counsel to the president if in fact he's going to be giving or continue to give testimony or interviews to the special counsel. How can you continue to sit in on meetings with the president or give him advice verbally or in writing and run his office, the counsel's office, while at the same time cooperating extensively, quote-unquote, in the Mueller inquiry? I don't understand it. Maybe something's missing in this article. And then we hear... That Mr. McGahn felt, or maybe they overheard, that Mr. McGahn would be set up as the fall guy for obstruction. Fall guy for obstruction. Of what? The president is perfectly free to fire whomever he wishes who falls under his tutelage. Yes, including the FBI director, as amazing as that may seem. FBI director does not have independent power beyond that of the executive branch. 
president runs the executive branch. He's in Article 2. That's who he is. The fall guy, that Mr. McGahn might be the fall guy on obstruction. How's that possible? First of all, there's been no obstruction. The Russia investigation goes on and on and on and on. That is, Mr. Mueller hasn't been fired. Mr. Rosenstein hasn't been fired. Not by this president. Stroke was fired by the deputy director of the FBI, newly appointed because the old guy is under criminal investigation. Mr. Comey was fired, among other reasons, Rosenstein advised it. But for whatever reason, doesn't really matter. So how could Mr. McGann be thrown under the bus when there's no bus? This is all very perplexing and troubling to me. And then everybody says, don't worry about what Mr. McGahn may have told the special prosecutor because there's, there's nothing to worry about. Well, let me suggest this. My, my good friend Andy McCarthy says, you know, uh, the special counsel mother's going to have a tough case to make now to interview the president of the United States because he learned everything he needed from McGahn. Really? Maybe? Unless, of course, McGahn is saying things that contradict what the president has said publicly or emphasizes or prioritizes something different than what the president said. And that does concern me because it seems Mr. Mueller is hot to trot to interview the president of the United States on the quote-unquote issue of obstruction. Right? Now, he doesn't necessarily need the McGahn testimony to be hot to trot to interview the president on obstruction, but he has it. That's the point. He's got 30 hours of it. And Mr. Mueller is hunting the president of the United States. That's what he's doing. He's hunting him. That's what the whole Manafort case is about. He doesn't care that Manafort violated the bank laws and the tax laws and the these laws and the that laws. They already looked at some of that in 2015, 2016, and they moved on. And then they went back to it in the last... 18 months or so, or 15 months since Mueller was appointed. So there's, this, is, this is really not so easily dismissed in my mind. Now, the truth is, it doesn't change anything for the president when it comes to the Constitution and the law. Presidents who reject any subpoena issued at the behest of the special counsel Mueller should reject them outright. The president's not a witness to a crime. The president didn't commit a crime. The president didn't direct anybody to commit a crime. No, Mr. Prosecutor, the president didn't conspire to defraud the election. There obviously was no collusion. We've had an infinite number of investigations by reporters, Congress, the special counsel. Not a single leak of a single criminal statute with the president's fingerprints on it that they can pin to him. Nothing. Nothing. But here's the big picture. Here's why you should be furious. This is what you should resent. This is all a fabrication. All of it. Russia collusion. And the interference with the election. Because Hillary Clinton and the DNC insisted that this was an illegitimate election after she lost. They kept pushing the Russian narrative. 
You should be furious that this president, the day he stepped into the Oval Office, has been under investigation in one form or another. He's been under attack in one form or another. The people who hate him because they don't like his style, the people who hate him because he calls them out, the people who hate him because they don't like his tweets, the people who hate him because they think he's unpresidential, they have thrown in with the coup d'etat crowd, knowing damn well that this president hasn't committed a crime, hasn't suborned any criminal activity, Now, another interesting thing in this article was that the special counsel's office acknowledges that they can't indict a sitting president. This is a point I've made for a year and a half now, right? Finally, the professors, professors emeritus, former prosecutors have all figured it out. All they had to do is read the two memos that I read. Well, apparently, Mr. Mueller's read them now, too. So he can't indict a sitting president. President's not a witness to a crime. President didn't direct any criminal activity. The president didn't commit any crimes. So what are we doing? Mr. Mueller's not on trial for anything related to Russian collusion or conspiracy. Mr. Mueller's picked up a few people for this and that. They set up Lieutenant General Mike Flynn. I guess they're proud of themselves through Mr. Stroke, who's since been fired. So what are we doing? We're doing exactly what I told you on day one. Mr. Mueller is an unconstitutional appointee. Mr. Mueller is conducting himself in a reckless way. Mr. Mueller knows he can't indict a sitting president. Mr. Mueller still wants to turn this presidency upside down. He is furious that his friend Jim Comey has been treated the way he's been treated. He gets energy from the left and the Democrats and the media who spur him on day in and day out. And he is fighting like Cal Mueller to impeach this president. You have an inferior executive branch appointee reports to the deputy attorney general of the United States, at least theoretically, who's leading the impeachment charge. This thing is unconstitutional from beginning to end. Unconstitutional from beginning to end. You have sleazy lawyers involved from beginning to end. And who suffers? The president, of course, and the American people. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Mr. Trump's early private lawyer should never have agreed that Mr. McGahn should meet with a prosecutor special counsel's office, certainly not without limits on subject and time, doesn't appear that occurred. And not just to protect this president, but all future presidents. They must be able to rely on their White House counsel. And no, Mr. Burke, who's Mr. McGahn's lawyer, your client does not represent the office of the presidency. He represents the president in the office of the presidency. But he also has a responsibility to give him good advice to protect himself and that office. The idea that somebody represents the office of the presidency is an absurdity. Um, that's number one. Number two, in my view, from an ethical point of view, if Mr. McGahn was providing ongoing information to that prosecutor's office about the president who appointed him and 
whom he serves, depending on how long this went on for, in my view, he had an ethical duty to withdraw from representing the president. You can't be informed about events that are taking place, discussions that you have, uh, where the president has at least some kind of expectation that he can rely on his legal counsel. I'm not talking about the private matters. I'm talking about presidential matters like firing Comey. Uh, and at the same time, that individual can go talk to the prosecutor's office or pick up the phone and fill in gaps. Or who knows what took place? He could have gone back into meetings and said, well, Mr. President, remember when we discussed that? What did you mean by that? I'm not saying that occurred, but the possibility exists. So even the appearance is wrong. So in my view, he should have withdrew uh, and allowed a different uh, counsel to be appointed or an acting counsel uh, for that matter. Uh, as for the underlying issue, obstruction, it is as phony as a $3 bill. It's always been as phony as a $3 bill. If the, uh, the uh, not-so-clever prosecutors, and they're not so clever, um, are, are, are thinking about some kind of charge of intent to obstruct without actual obstruction, that is nonsense, too. And what's really troubling me here is this prosecutor and his people were not elected by anybody or responsible really to nobody are tampering with this election, tampering with the presidency, tampering with our Constitution like nothing I've ever seen before. And I've seen a lot since I was a lawyer in the Iran-Contra matter. We'll be right back. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. Have you ever heard of a prosecutor writing an impeachment report? Now, what's the problem with a prosecutor writing an impeachment report? That means the prosecutor is using the criminal justice system for political purposes. He's using the criminal justice system to influence a process, a political process, a constitutional process at bottom, but yes, in the House of Representatives. So if he can't actually indict a sitting president, president's not your average citizen, folks. He wouldn't even be in this position, but for the fact he is president and he got elected president. So let's not say... Uh, I hear the left say, well, is he above the law? No, he's not above the law, but he has to protect the office of the president. He has to protect uh, his presidency. And he has to protect and preserve the Constitution. That's his oath. It's Mr. Mueller, despite what you hear from the left and the media, who is upending our constitutional system. It's Mr. Rosenstein who's doing it. They're bulls in China shop. And uh, they have no comprehension of the bigger picture here. Think that they think they're investigating a bank robbery. But it's not, it's not just them. It's the media, either knowingly stupid or actually stupid. I, you know, I was watching some of this Meet the Press. I had to shut it off after an exchange with Chuck Todd and Rudy Giuliani. And then you could see the other media picking up on it. The stupidity displayed by Chuck Todd, I believe it's an honest stupidity. And his, uh, his political uh, ideology, again, from years as working as a staff assistant to Tom Harkin, one of the left-wing kook senators, you may recall, who retired from Iowa, and his wife being a leftist, it's obvious the guy is not capable of getting beyond his ideology, and most in the media are not. 
Rudy Giuliani is an advocate. He's a private lawyer, represents the president. Chuck Todd is an advocate who pretends to be a journalist. Now listen to this exchange. You've been hearing it, I'm sure, all day long, and people mocking it. Rudy misspoke. Rudy didn't misspeak. I'll put a fine point on exactly what he said. Cut 11, go. Don't tell me that we're delaying this if they're spending a week and a half getting back to us. Uh, I don't know why they're doing that, but they're sure as heck not showing any desire to expedite it. I can't get them to write a letter faster than they have. And if you want to start counting up the time that so we you believe this is on the them. You believe this is on them, that you would have, that, that you guys have not delayed the interviewing uh, no. Delayed the negotiations. Yeah, yes, each time by three or four days so we could write a letter in response. They have taken two to three weeks to get back to us. So I, what I have to tell you is, look, I'm not going to be rushed into having him testify so that he gets trapped into perjury. And when you tell me that, you know, he should testify because he's going to tell the truth and he shouldn't worry, well, that's so silly because it's somebody's version of the truth, not the truth. He didn't have a, a conversation. Now stop here. This is where Chuck Todd thinks he has a headline. What? It's not the truth. It's his version of the truth. Didn't Kellyanne Conway say something like that months ago? Wow. Now I can spotlight myself. Go ahead. I don't mean to go like... I, no, it isn't truth. Truth isn't truth. The President of the United States says, I didn't... Truth isn't I, truth. Mr. Mayor, do you realize what... I, 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 no, I, no, no, don't do this to me. Don't do uh, truth Donald truth Trump, to me. Donald Trump says, I didn't talk about Flynn with Comey. Comey says, you did talk about it. So tell me what the truth is. Don McGahn, uh, if you're such a genius, John McGahn, Don McGahn doesn't know. If that's the situation, okay. we have two pieces of evidence. Trump says, I didn't tell him. And the other guy says that he did say it, which is the truth. Uh, you're, well, I mean, maybe point, you know you're right. because you're, you're a genius. People, I know you're right. I don't read minds on that front. All right, let's, let's, let's stop because it gets dumber on Chuck Todd's part as we go on. Let me give you a perfect example. This happens, what, over a year ago that Comey was fired. So Comey tells his dear friend, Mueller, Remember, Comey was Deputy Attorney General when Mueller was FBI director. They go way, way back. One of them has one of their kids as, a God, as a, the godson or daughter of, of the other, which is a preposterous fact to begin with. So Comey tells Mueller, no, no, he fired me for this reason. This is what he told me. Now we got McGahn in here now. McGahn says, no, he told me this. Trump, I was there. Trump says, here's my recollection. This is what I remember. So there's three of them. Maybe they have three different recollections. He's not going to punish Comey. McGahn's been uh, talking to him for 30 hours. The only guy that hasn't talked to him is Trump because he's trying to defend the office of the presidency. And then he says, okay, obstruction of justice. This one tells me this. This one tells me this. We believe the president of the United States is dissembling. That's exactly what's meant, Chuck Todd. And you know damn well what Rudy Giuliani was talking about. And by the way, Let's assume for the moment all three of them really believe that's their recollection. That's the truth. And there's three different versions. It's like witnesses to a car accident. Sometimes you get A, sometimes you get B. That's why you need multiple witnesses. You know, so that's what is meant in this context. Who remembers what and how they remember it. And the reason it's a really, really big deal 
is because a prosecutor who is hostile, particular individual, will not want to believe that individual and will try and make the case that it is that individual who is dissembling, who's lying or deceiving. Just like Mueller and his people decided they didn't want Gates so much, they wanted Manafort. Gates, a proven liar, thief, they charge him with 105 years worth of crimes, but they charge Manafort with 300 years worth of crimes. Gates, in the meantime, they plead him down to two nothings, where he may not serve one day in prison, in order to get his testimony against Manafort. Now, this is what prosecutors do. Giuliani was a U.S. attorney and a damn good one. This is what he's talking about. The process, let, let, let's hold on a second here. Bob Mueller is not God. Bob Mueller is not pure. Bob Mueller is not a judge. A judge has a completely different role. Bob Mueller is a prosecutor. He's looking for people to put in prison. That shouldn't be the role of all prosecutors. They're supposed to try and pursue the truth. But that's clearly not the case with Mr. Mueller. If Mr. Mueller was trying to find the truth, he'd already conclude there was no collusion between Trump and Trump world and the Russians that interfered with the election. Got a couple outlier conversations and so forth, but it's not illegal. It's not criminal to talk to Russians, even during the course of a campaign. It's not criminal to want to talk to them if they think they have information, but information hasn't passed. There's no evidence that um, that there was any, in fact, uh, uh, collusion. And the operation closes. But that's not what he's doing. That's not what he's doing. Now, Giuliani says they have 1.4 million documents. Do you know how many documents that is? Do you know what that looks like, 1.4 million documents? That they've interviewed over two dozen White House staffers, including McGahn, President's counsel. We've had endless congressional hearings with Democrats on the committees. Nothing has leaked to create a criminal connection of any kind to the President of the United States or anyone around the President of the United States. If there were a smoking gun, it would have leaked by now. And you have thousands of so-called journalists who are taking leaks from partisans, who are taking leaks from law enforcement, leaks from the intelligence agencies, digging on their own, digging... They've come up empty. Now, this is what's meant by a perjury trap. Mr. Mueller doesn't want to interview the president because he's actually interested in gleaning some information he can't get elsewhere. He wants to interview the president in order to catch a conflict of memories, if you will. Now, let me tell you something. If the president's current lawyers are competent, and they appear to be, and Mr. Mueller triggers the issuance of a subpoena, they can lay out the case, chapter and verse, for the court. That a subpoena to compel a president to sit for a perjury trap simply cannot fly under our Constitution. They can't say they're not getting documents. They're getting a zillion documents. They can't say they're not getting access to people with knowledge. They're getting access to all kinds of people. But you can't 
demand the appearance of the President of the United States for an interview or a grand jury appearance. Some people say, period. And then have really no basis to do so other than to try and trick the President of the United States. I have to believe there's enough good judges left, certainly on the Supreme Court, to understand the insidious nature of this. A couple other points I'd like to make. And I've made them before, but the time, it's time to, to underscore them. What's to stop any of the over 90 United States attorneys in this country from issuing a subpoena for a presidential, for president, for the president to testify on such limp and minor reasons. If Mr. Mueller can get away with it. And I want you to think about this. You're a really smart audience. That's why I'm getting into the weeds here. The argument is that Mr. Mueller is not a principal appointee. Therefore, he didn't have to be nominated by the president and confirmed by the Senate in order to serve in his slot. Therefore, he's a constitutional appointment, they're saying, because he he reports to a, a person who had to be confirmed by the Senate Rosenstein. Great. But the United States attorneys in this country, over 90 of them, all had to go through that process. They had to be nominated by this president and confirmed by the United States Senate. They are principals. They are more senior. They have more power, the argument goes, than Mr. Mueller. Well, if Mr. Mueller can issue or have issued a subpoena against the President of the United States to appear in person to give testimony, then what's to stop those principal prosecutors who are at least theoretically under our Constitution? If you listen to Judge Napolitano and the others, if, if, if they're more senior, the U.S. attorneys, their principal appointees, officials, then Mr. Mueller, and Mr. Mueller can have a subpoena issued, then what's to stop the U.S. attorney in Rhode Island from doing the same thing if he thinks he has a case? Not a case against the president. We just want to know, what would stop the U.S. attorney in New York, for God's sakes? Nothing. Nothing. Oh, and one other point. If the potential exists that a prosecutor will be free to question a president of the United States about the firing of a subordinate, CIA director, FBI director, the attorney general, the secretary of agriculture, whatever, and they assert that it was done for some nefarious reason, what's to stop them from politically blackmailing a president? In the confines of the Oval Office, you can hear the discussion. President says to the CIA director, I'm not happy with your work. I'm going to replace you. Well, you better not do that, Mr. President, says the CIA director. Because I'm going to tell the U.S. attorney that you threatened me, that you demanded that I do X, Y, Z, and A, B, C. But that's not true. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He can question your motives. He can question you. And I'm going to drag down your administration for the next 12 months. I'm going to help trigger an investigation. What do you think of that? I am gravely concerned about what's being done here to the office of the presidency, to the Constitution of the United States. I'm gravely concerned that the president's early private lawyers were incompetent or foolish. I'm gravely concerned about what's going on with the White House counsel. I'm gravely concerned that we have an out-of-control prosecutor 
who has as his purpose, Constitution be damned, to write an impeachment report to take down this president, and he hopes, maybe, to drag it through the courts. Maybe he'll get lucky, he figures. I'm gravely concerned about this president and future presidents. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Maybe I ought to take like a three or six month leave of absence and help represent the president. What do you think about that, Mr. Producer? Um, you know, I, uh, I can't stress enough. Can't stress enough that you must protect yourself from thugs who steal personal information. Email addresses, social security numbers, medical cards, passwords, and retailers are being compromised every day. Now look, you can't Stay vulnerable. It's why I switched to My ID Care, the best in the business. My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft, providing best in class service. With Tri Bureau credit monitoring and dark web monitoring, it's the kind of comprehensive protection you need right now. You can sign up at myidcare.com slash mark code mark. My ID Care has taken care of Fortune 500 companies for years, but just recently made their protection available to customers. Now, I switched in a heartbeat because their protection is stellar. And Tom Kelly, the CEO, is a genius at personal ID protection. Plans start for less than 10 bucks a month, and only My ID Care offers a money-back recovery guarantee. I don't worry about identity theft anymore. My family doesn't worry anymore, and neither should you. You, my listeners, can get 15% off at MyIDCare slash Mark. That's 15% off MyIDCare slash Mark. And don't forget promo code Mark one more time. MyIDCare slash Mark, promo code Mark, and you'll get 15% off. It's the best. That's why we switched sponsors uh, when they became available to uh, consumers, not just uh, Fortune 500 companies. So I hope you'll check it out. Now, I want you to think about something. All this talk. All this talk. And the best the prosecutor has is the president intended to obstruct justice. The president, what, took steps to, to obstruct justice? I mean, he's the prosecutor in the Russia matter. Has anybody stopped them? No, of course not. That's just stupid. No, that's not the case. Let's see here. Tom, Ridgecrest, California, Sirius Satellite. Quickly, sir, go. Yes, sir. I uh, have an 8-year-old and an 18-year-old. All right. Congratulations. The 8-year-old, I... Every single thing, I, I asked her mom if we were going to fill out lunches. Oh, for God's sake. Sir, 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 call when you're sober, will you? Jeremy, Lakeland, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Go. How you doing, Mr. Levin? It is a uh, pleasure to speak to you. Thank you, sir. We got one minute. All right, real quick. Um, I just heard you speaking about Mr. Mueller's going against uh, the president, 
trying to find an obstruction for you know the, the reason why he he would have fired um, the intent. So there's a case law with the Supreme Court that's kind of already addressed this. Um, it referenced uh, Wren versus United States, where uh, D.C. police officers conducted their narcotics officers conducted a traffic. Sir, that has absolutely nothing to do when the president's involved in one branch of government. There is no precedent whatsoever. Zero. A drug case has nothing to do with it. Nothing. No offense. I'm just saying this is new stuff. This is big time stuff. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I think... In order to further clarify these various issues, because they can complicate it, I think I'll do something fairly rare. I'm going to go to the callers and try to clarify based on questions or comments that callers make. Uh, But before I do that, very, very briefly, let me say this. This guy, John Brennan, everybody must recognize that something is wrong with him. You know, uh, during the Nixon era, there was an attorney general by the name of Mitchell. And um, he was forced to resign and so forth over time. But he had a wife, I believe her name was Martha, Martha Mitchell, who was having mental issues, as I understood it. And the media would always go to her, get comments from her in order to humiliate the former Attorney General and then President uh, Richard Nixon as well. Martha Mitchell. And her husband, John Mitchell, he begged the media to stop contacting her, but they still contacted her. I think John Brennan is the modern-day Martha Mitchell. I'm not talking about the same scenario, husband-wife and so forth. But something is off with this guy. There's uh, a couple of light bulbs went out. And he makes crazy-ass statements. And when I listen to him, I think to myself, how the hell did this guy become director of the CIA? And why wasn't his ticket pulled a long time ago? And, of course, he's being exploited by the media, the way Amarosa is, the way Stormy Daniels is, the way anybody is. Some homeless guy on a soapbox, if they can get him to say something or her. It's incredible. Even Clapper, who's crazy as a, uh, well, it's just crazy. He thinks uh, Brennan is out of line. Even Mike Mullen, who reported to Obama, he thinks Brennan's done damage to the intelligence agencies. And then they condemn Trump for pulling his uh, security clearance. It's the craziest thing. But it is very odd to me. Something is wrong with Brennan. I'm saying psychologically, mentally, something is wrong with the guy, in my humble opinion, just based on what he says. 
All right, so now we're going to take some calls early for the purpose of trying to clarify any confusion uh, on the circumstances involving McGahn, obstruction of justice, subpoenas, what have you. All right, let's get started. And I want the callers to really step it up. Make sure you're sober. That's that's the number one test. Gene, Indianapolis, Indiana, the great WFDM. Go. Uh, yes, I'm going to make two quick points, and uh, then I'll hang up and listen to your responses. I don't think that uh, Mueller was ever, ever going after Trump for collusion or for the Russia thing. I believe he was going after him for ta- taxes and finances, just like he's done with Manafort and the others. My second thing is, and I could be wrong on this. Well, let me so let me it. slow you down a second. He has a funny way of showing it, though, since he hasn't subpoenaed any of Trump's taxes or finances. Right, but uh, that would be one of the things that only Trump could answer versus everybody else that he's interviewed. But I'm saying he hasn't he hasn't even requested any documents. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Then that was just my off the wall. Okay. Yeah. My second thing is, I've been told it costs twenty five thousand dollars for a security clearance and that we have 5 million of them out there that are renewed every five years, and I'm thinking that's a heck of a bill for the taxpayer. Right, let, me slow, let, me, let me correct that. There are, there can't, I don't believe there are 5 million of them renewed every year. Uh, there are 5 million of them, uh, but not all of them are renewed. They've got within five but, years. But, but to underscore one of your points, they're enormously expensive. They go back to elementary school. To middle school, we used to call it junior high. High school, they go back to any, uh, if you rented an apartment, they go back and talk to any landlords. They try and find anybody who used to live with you when you were uh, next to you, when you were, say, in your 20s and so forth. They go through, they interview former teachers. I mean, they travel the country. And the more extensive your background, the more extensive uh, the work is involved in tracking things down. And then if somebody says something that is troubling, then they have to pursue, pursue that. A, a full clearance can take eight months, nine months, a full year. Um, and it is enormously expensive, which is also why an incoming administration has what they call temporary security clearances, because obviously they can't function with their own people if they have to sit around and wait for these long security clearances to take place. It's one of the reasons that I object to what uh, our, the president's chief of staff, uh, Kelly, who I like very much. Uh, I don't know him. I've met him once in my life, and I respect him enormously. But that's one of the reasons that I, I object to the way they're handling security clearances. The media have kind of uh, they reacted to the media, which attempted to force him in this position, uh, given a few uh, a few uh, personnel matters that took place. But this this broad brush approach on security clearances, which that results in you not being able to fill key positions with people you want. Anyway, Gene, thanks for that point. Uh, I appreciate it very much. James, Denver, Colorado. How are you? Oh, good, Mark. How are you? Good. How are you listening to us? Uh, Mark Levin app on iHeartRadio. All right. Go ahead. All right. So uh, I was listening to your, your comments about, you know, potentially opening up, you know, being able to call in the president. For questioning, you know. No, I don't for, think he can for, call in the president for questioning. Well, well, no, but you were talking about if we try to set this precedent, and then all of a sudden, you know, any prosecutor can try and get the the president to come in and answer questions. 
I think that's what I understood. Yeah, go ahead. Yep, 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 yep. Go ahead. Um, so so I, I was reading a, a Yahoo article a few weeks ago, and apparently uh, all three Democrats that are running for the New York State Attorney General position have all vowed to some degree or another launch investigations into Trump. Mm-hmm. Of course, those are state. And that would raise a different issue with respect to subpoenaing a president. Uh, and uh, But what's going to happen now is you're going to get more and more of this stuff, more and more judges ruling on this stuff. And all of a sudden, the office of the presidency is horribly weakened. And for what? For what? what what's happened here exactly? The president hasn't done anything. What are they going to subpoena? Because they want his testimony to see if uh, to, to ask him about what is a presidential prerogative. That is the firing of a subordinate. It's crazy. Right. Well, well, this article basically alluded to the fact, and, and I think the teaser headline was this this lady, and she was one of the candidates, uh, could be much worse news for Trump than Mueller. And basically it alluded to the fact that any New York State Attorney General is going to go in with a fine-tooth comb over all his business dealings because that's where his residence and business is. Okay, so you're talking about a different issue altogether. That is, uh, they want to investigate his finances, his residence, and so forth. Let me ask you a question about this beyond the Constitution. Have you noticed the extent to which the media accept the relentless legal and partisan attacks on this president that are outside political norms? So they're going to use the legal processes in the state of New York to try and damage this president. And nobody cares. So what you basically have are these blue state hacks who get elected to office telling their hack constituents, you elect me and I'll take down the president of the United States by hook or by crook. I'm telling you this is Venezuela stuff. This is uh, Zimbabwe stuff. This is... uh, uh, th- this, this is just incredible that we have a, a republic like this that's, that's collapsing from within. Thank you for your call, sir. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Just to show you how ridiculous Mueller and his team of Democrat liberal donors actually is. I want you to keep a couple of things in mind. Now they have have dragged the Manhattan Madam in front of a federal grand jury. We have Stormy Daniels. Yeah, is this a clown show? What is this? What is it? Is this a clown show? I'm starting to think it is a clown show. And by the way, whatever happens to Manafort in that courthouse in Alexandria, Virginia, whether he loses, whether he wins, whether it's a draw, whatever, Mueller's lawyers have not been impressive. They've made a number of mistakes during the course of that prosecution. So I would advise the president's lawyers... The law's on your side, the Constitution is on your side, the facts on your side, and these guys are not 10 feet tall Amazons. 
if they just do good lawyering on the president's side, I think he'll turn out just fine. You're going to subpoena the president, not to testify by any crime he committed, even though you admit he can't be indicted in any event, or any president, but because you want to try and trick him. Now, I don't think there is a serious court. There are Obama appointees and Clinton appointees, but I mean a serious court that would think that is uh, appropriate. So there's just an enormous number of issues that could be raised against Mueller and his team. Constitutional, other legal issues, and of course, factual issues. Rick Jonesboro, Arkansas, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Hey, doing great, doing great. Uh, wow, I'm a little starstruck, but I'll I'll try to make my point quick. <laughs> Don't worry, and get off so you can uh, you can do your thing. Um, just just listening to the interview, the uh, interviewer uh, Chuck Todd. It seems to me like he is exactly proving Rudy's point by taking what Rudy said and turning it into another truth, and then mm-hmm. the news media taking that truth that they've spun and and running with it instead of. Instead of taking what Rudy said as, you know, everybody who listens to that with any common sense can figure out what Rudy's trying to say. Mm-hmm. But they, they are intentionally twisting it. Absolutely. And, of course, uh, the prosecutor is not a judge. The prosecutor is an advocate, right? That's correct. And, uh, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is, is, I mean, they're doing it right in front of everybody, proving Rudy's, exactly proving Rudy's point, right in front of everybody for everybody to see take what Rudy said and twist it into something that's, that, that he didn't say. And there's the truth isn't the truth. And also, to your point, look what they did to uh, Michael Flynn. The first exactly. round of interviews with the FBI, they said, look, he had a memory lapse, no big deal, that's the end of it. Peter Stroke, who has an agenda, he goes back, he circles back, same thing, sets up Flynn, and now Flynn is broke, he's had to plead guilty, He's trying to find ways to pay his lawyer. They charge him. uh, He's pled to one count of false statements. Uh, Things a mess. This guy, this this guy, uh, Mueller hasn't shown good faith with anybody, has he? No, no. And and it's the double standard is is sickening in this whole thing. The the you know uh, Trump or anybody on, on his team cannot say anything right and. Anybody on the Democrat side, uh, Hillary, they can't say anything wrong. I mean, nothing they say, nothing they do is wrong. Let, let me add this. So so they, they drag this Manhattan madam in front of a federal grand jury in Washington, right? Correct. They didn't do anything on the Hillary side where there is actual Russian Russia taint, whether it's the dossier or anything else. They're not dragging any of them in front of that same federal grand jury. So really, how much does Mueller want to get to the bottom of this. Well, you know, I was limited to Russian interference in the Trump campaign. Really? And that brought you to the Manhattan madam? Is she Russian? I don't think so. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Bill, Alexandria, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go. Yeah, Mark, uh, first of all, your analysis, as usual, is spot on on any of these topics. Um, I'd emphasize two things. One is the fact, and I'm a retired lawyer, uh, Mueller should never have taken this job, and that's obvious. Anybody that in his position should have known that he has a total conflict of interest in this, 
But the second point, I don't think anybody really realizes it, is the president is very good about his analysis, and I don't think he fears the issue of impeachment whatsoever. And well, I, I think, happen to know that's not correct. Not, fear is the wrong word, but he's well aware of it, I am told. And uh, that's why he's going to be campaigning uh, 60 days out from the election almost every day. He'd be a fool not to be concerned about it. He doesn't want to destroy his presidency and be bogged down with endless subpoenas. Yeah, but I, I think my point is is that he knows that he's in the right and that he's going to beat anything that comes up against but him. But you can't – listen, he may know he's in the right. But if you have a house full of Democrats and a significant majority, whether you're in the right or not, they can vote to impeach. They shouldn't, but they have the votes. And unless you want to, he wants to live in a living hell with subpoenas and endless attacks and can't accomplish a hell of a lot, of course he's worried about it. He ran for president to be a president. He ran for president to get things done. Yeah, but I think that... All right, thanks for your call. doesn't matter what I say. He's a nice man, but, 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 I, but I'm insisting that I'm right, and I'm insisting on that. But you're not right. Of course the president's concerned about it, and he has every reason to be concerned about it. We are all concerned about it. I'm afraid that attitude uh, unwittingly is going to result in a Democrat landslide. We have to be concerned. We have to have some fury. We've got to get out and vote. We've got to corral our people to vote. The president wants us to vote. Why do you think he goes to these rallies and backs candidates and asks you to vote for them? It's not a matter of fear. It's a matter of concern that the Democrats might take the House. And even apart from impeachment, do we want these leftist socialists in the House of Representatives driving up spending even more? I mean, come on. Can't be uh, Pollyannas about this. We've got to take this very, very seriously. The barbarians are at the gate. The left is at the gate. Oh, don't worry. We're not worried. I'm worried about it. There you have it. I'm, I'm concerned about it. And we should all be. And we need to be fired up, not blasé and passive. That's exactly what they want. All right. Lou, Milford, Connecticut, the great WABC. Lou, I don't know how you get through all the time, but you, what do you, you speed dial or something? Hello, Lou, are you there? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, so All right, we, we, we don't have a good connection. Robin, Springville, Florida, Sirius Satellite, go. Uh, yes, Mr. Levin, I'd like to find out more information on the Pfizer warrants. Supposedly, they were four of them. Are they still each one active, or is the latest, the latest one active? No, the it- last one expired 90 days, and they're out. As far as we know. So there are no active investigations of Carter Page and company. So uh, you got you got to extend them, and they haven't extended it a fifth time. Rosenstein had extended it a fourth time because he's such a brilliant man. I'll be right back. Trying to reach Mark on the air. Call him at 877-381-3811. The Mark Levin Radio Show continues. Rudy Giuliani says, look, it takes us a day, two, three, to write a letter, respond to the special counsel. It takes him two to three weeks. Why is he dragging this on, the election? There's another reason. And I'll point it out now so the 
professor from Harvard, the professor from George Washington. But more than that, they can repeat it, but more than that, so the White House lawyers listen to me. I've been thinking about this during the break. Mr. Producer, I was testing it on him. Do you know why it's taking two or three weeks? Who is Mr. Mueller's supposed boss? Rosenstein, the Deputy Attorney General. And they've made the argument in court when Mr. Mueller's appointment has been challenged that he does have a boss, Mr. Mueller. He's not an independent operator, and his boss is the Deputy Attorney General, Rosenstein. Mueller is conferring with Rosenstein. And together they're trying to figure out what to do. And Rosenstein is the acting attorney general. He's running the Department of Justice for purposes of this investigation. It's as if Jeff Session doesn't exist. So Rosenstein's the acting attorney general in charge of the Department of Justice. Mr. Mueller, at least theoretically, reports to him. I do not believe Mr. Mueller will make a decision on a subpoena or his next step without consulting with, ah, better word, colluding with, maybe even conspiring with, Mr. Rosenstein. And that should be a significant cause for concern because he has very, very poor judgment. The original appointment of Mueller demonstrates that. That's part of the reason, if not the most important reason, why it's taking so long. Mr. Mueller wants to cover his tracks. He doesn't want to be hung out there by himself. Mr. Mueller wants the backing of the Department of Justice and Mr. Rosenstein should he take what would be a historically unparalleled step to damage the presidency and the Constitution. I believe that's what's going on. Now, all the backbenchers, feel free to repeat it. All the legal scholars, quote-unquote, all the professors, former professors, former federal prosecutors, defense counsel all over cable, go ahead and chew on that because that's what's taking place. No doubt about it in my mind. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you about Super Beats. Your antennae should go up. This is a very, very important product. Now, technically, you take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with one atom of oxygen and you get something Really, really important for your health. You've created nitric oxide. It is a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health and keeps you vibrant. But as we age, our bodies need help with this important process. Super Beets by Human has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets to create a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. So this is very, very important. It jumpstarts your body to have a healthier heart, among other things. One teaspoon of Super Beats Daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. My wife uses this. She's a marathon runner. She loves it. Now, we're talking real, healthy, natural energy. Kyle from Nevada says, I use Super Beats every morning. I was astonished at how well it worked the very first time. I get a nice wave of energy that lasts nearly all day. So, you know, some of you may buy these heavy-duty drinks that are supposed to kick up energy. They are loaded with stuff. This is healthy. This is natural. 
This is the way to go. Call 866-205-4907. That's a tough number, but let's repeat it. 866-205-4907. Or go to superbeats.com slash Levin. It's that simple. Superbeats.com slash L-E-V-I-N. Now, here's what we'll do. You'll get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats and free shipping with your first purchase. So now's the time to jump in. They're a brand-new sponsor. Brand new sponsors make these early offers, and you can take advantage of it. Jump in right now. Get your free 30-day supply of Super Beats and free shipping with your first purchase. That's 866-205-4907. 866-205-4907. Or go to superbeats.com slash Levin. That's slash L-E-V-I-N, superbeats.com slash Levin. You're going to really appreciate it. You know, maybe you take a lot of items in the morning and that sort of thing. Well, do this as well. It'll be exactly the right thing that you'll want to do. Now, uh, something else is taking place in our country. You know, the President of the United States tweeted, and he compared this to what's going on with him. He compared it to McCarthyism. And right away, all the McCarthy experts said, ah, it's not McCarthyism, because after all, he was right sometimes, to, which he was. Well, it's not McCarthyism. I mean, after all, we haven't heard Mueller say a single word, make an accurate. Well, it's not. I'm starting to wonder if reporters are stupid by birth or training. I really am. We all know what the president means. He means there is this outrageous, prolonged, broad investigation filled with accusations. And I'll give you another example of it. The House Committee on Oversight and Reform, the Democrats, issued a press release. Top Democrats seek information on John Bolton's security clearance after revelation that he worked with Russian citizen now exposed to spy. Russian citizen now exposed as spy. Now, these same Democrats on this committee want nothing to do with Fusion GPS. They don't want to hear from Mark Elias, the lawyer who washed the money from his law firm into Fusion GPS. They don't want to hear from Christopher Steele, the British ex-spy, who was the go-between with the Kremlin, allegedly. They don't want to hear from Hillary Clinton and the money her campaign poured into all this. They don't want to hear from the DNC and the money that, camp- that, that organization poured into all this. They didn't want to hear from Peter Stroke. They tried to undermine that hearing. They came to Comey's defense after hating Comey, blaming him for costing them the election. But now they want to use him to try and impeach the president. They don't want to hear from any of these people. But John Bolton, John Bolton, they're concerned about John Bolton. You see, John Bolton may be a sellout to the Russians, ladies and gentlemen. Hardcore, Reaganite, hawk, John Bolton who the Russians hate, who the Chinese hate, who the Iranians hate, who the North Koreans hate, who the liberal Democrats hate, but I repeat myself, all of them. Now, John Bolton is suspect. That is what is meant when the president says McCarthyism. But it's more like Stalinism. Today, Elijah Cummings, the ranking member of the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, and by the way, This is what you can expect if they take the majority in the House. They won't just be issuing 
press releases. They'll be issuing subpoenas. They'll be shutting down the investigation that Nunes has led and the others and replacing it with this. Well, Mark, the president doesn't fear any of this. The president is concerned about this. There's no question about it. I am, aren't you? Today, Representative Elijah Cummings, the ranking member of the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, and Representative Stephen F. Lynch, the ranking member of the Subcommittee on National Security, sent a letter to White House Chief of Staff John Kelly requesting documents relating to whether National Security Advisor John Bolton reported his previous work with Maria Butina, a Russian citizen now exposed as a spy. Can you imagine every one of Trump's advisors, staffers, is going to go through this? This is what the president meant. We are writing regarding recent reports that National Security Advisor John Bolton, in his former capacity as a top official with the National Rifle Association, worked directly with a Russian citizen who has now been charged by federal prosecutors with infiltrating that organization and spying against the United States for years. You know this story? You know this story? So this woman, nobody knows she's Russian or anything else. She's running around NRA. And so, so they're going after the NRA, and they make it like John Bolton was working with a Russian spy. Oh. John Bolton? I think you're confusing him with Ted Kennedy, the late not-so-great. Given the alarming and unprecedented nature of these revelations and the high-level position of trust Mr. Bolton now holds, we request that you produce documents relating to whether Mr. Bolton reported his previous work with this alleged Russian spy on his security clearance. So he bumps into this woman or he works with this woman. Did you put it on your security clearance form? Is this a joke? It's not as if he voted for a communist for president or anything. The Oversight Committee has previously investigated widespread failures by the Trump White House to adequately vet top national security officials for their Russian contacts, including Bolton's predecessor, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. Poor Mike Flynn. <laughs> What's been done to this man after decades of heroic service to this country, it just turns my, it makes me sick to my stomach what's been done to Michael Flynn. President Trump failed to suspend Flynn's security clearance for several weeks after the... This is what you're going to get, this kind of superficial, left-wing attack machine. And let me tell you something. They are better at the Republicans at this. You're not going to see the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, Mark Warner, uh, admonishing uh, Adam Schiff, the new chairman of the House Intelligence Committee... Should that, should that happen? They'll be, all be working in sync. And think about what I just said. The person who's lined up on the Democrat side to head the House Intelligence Committee is Adam Schiff. If that doesn't get you off your butt to vote, I don't know what will. I'll be right back. Mark in. So now John Bolton and the NRA, you see, are in the back pocket of the Russians. And we're supposed to take these people seriously. Supposed to take these people seriously. And their mouthpieces in the media, Don Lemon, Jake Tapper, Wolf Blitzer, what else is there? 
plenty. The genius Sharpton, we'll get to him later. I know you've heard the uh, the the audio, but I got to play it. It's just too. It's hang. It's low hanging fruit. You know, uh, if you've been listening to the radio show lately, you've heard me talking about the free thirty day trial that we're offering on CRTV. Now we started out with only Levin TV, but we quickly realized people wanted a broader network, more shows, more hosts, more ways to watch. Our fans were tired of the lies spouted by the left media, but they didn't have a good alternative. Our subscribers are like you. They lead busy lives, they want to watch on their time, and they don't have time to waste. That's why we created CRTV, Conservative Review TV. It's a network without ads, without censors, and most importantly, a network that's bringing you the stories you won't hear from the liberal media, or most of the rest of it, for that matter. But if you're like me, You believe in the old adage from President Reagan, trust but verify. So we're putting our mouth where our money is. We're giving everyone access to CRTV absolutely free for 30 days. For 30 days. Don't take our word for it. Try it yourself. Watch with your own eyes. Give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. We'll have you set up in less than five minutes. It's really easy. Again, that's 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. All right. Can you imagine a world where the Democrats control Congress? It's bad enough when the Republicans control Congress. Isn't it? Sean, Portland, Oregon, the great KUFO. Go. Hi, um, hi Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. Um, I just wanted to... Um talk a little bit about how you know I, I i think the modern news cycle and all um the mouthpieces on the left like to act like everything that we're seeing right now is just totally out of the ordinary like nothing like it has ever happened before but the fact of the matter is it's pretty much the democrats mo for at least the past half century to every time a republican is in the white house to try to either make their presidency illegitimate or to say that they're unfit to be president for one reason or another. I mean, Al Gore tried to sue George Bush to get the Supreme Court to take the elections. You know, with Reagan, they were trying, at first they were trying to say he was corrupt and treasonous, and then when that didn't work, they tried to say he was... Um, Iran-Contra, they tried to remove him. Nixon, they were successful. Um, I get your point. Uh, George W. Bush, they actually introduced a number of them, articles of impeachment that he lied about Iraq. You're right. They're always constantly trying to remove the Republican president. Didn't it? I don't know of anyone who actually filed impeachment. Uh, uh, maybe there was one or, or there were one or two congressmen uh, on uh, Barack Obama. Do you? I, I can't think of any. But it's a great point. They always try to delegitimize who, whomever the Republican is. The problem is you have these idiot Republicans that go along like Bob Corker. Bob Corker was personally dissed by Trump, and he's spending the rest of his lame career in the Senate, a few more months, trashing the president every chance he gets. And there's a handful of these guys. Jeff Flake, same thing. Uh, Ben Sass of Nebraska, same thing. Good call, Sean. I appreciate it, buddy. Take care. Uh, Let us go to Bobby Ray, Williamsburg, Virginia, beautiful town, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark, uh, I wanted to tell you that there already is in place a way 
uh, justification for taking away um, classification or uh, clearances. It's uh, an executive order signed by Bill Clinton. At, excuse me. And it uh, in 1965 or I mean 1995, the um, the operative paragraph subparagraph says access to classified information shall be terminated. Why, why, why are you so out of breath? I ran from one room to another. All right. Settle down. You're going to have a heart attack on the air. That may be entertaining, but we don't want it to happen. I got you. Okay. Uh, the operative subparagraph, it's uh, 2.1B4. Access to classified information shall be terminated when an employee no longer has a need for access. And I think that's... Well, it's need to know. We've been talking about that. They don't have a need to know. You're right. But you see, they've twisted that to mean, well, we may need John Brennan's cogent, thoughtful, temperate advice. So we need him to retain this, this clearance. It's a ruse. Nobody wants to hear from John Brennan except the kooks on MSNBC and CNN and the like. He's nothing to say. The man is, if he's not certifiably insane, he ought to be. Well, he, he certainly comes off wacky when he's on TV, on CNN and MSNBC, so... He says that Trump has connections to the Russians. He has no evidence whatsoever. Even the uh, the uh, head of the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee, uh, Richard Burr, woke up from his long and desperate snooze. And, and he said, well, if you have it, let's see it, because you haven't shown it to us yet. It would be like me saying, you know, Brennan's always had ties to the Soviets. Matter of fact, he voted for one of their, uh, you know, one of their puppets, Gus Hall. So Brennan has more ties with Russia than Trump could ever dream of. Yeah, well... This was a. This all started when uh, uh, Trump made that wisecrack about checking uh, the emails. That was a joke, and everybody knew it. When he told the Russians, "We can't find Hillary's emails. Maybe you can." It was hilarious. And to, and to think that that may have been it. I don't think that was it. I think that's an excuse. I think this this stuff against Trump was going on for a long time in the Obama administration. We had rogue senior FBI agents, rogue senior intelligence officials. Listen to them now. Listen to them now. These are the same people who used to be holding these positions. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. There's a very, very important uh, article at Conservative Review. Um... And you can go to conservativereview.com by our buddy Daniel Horowitz. And the title of this piece is Obama's Third Term. Thirteen times federal courts said Trump must continue Obama's lawless policies. And with the runaway train of judicial supremacy consuming our political system, do elections really matter, he asks? Anyone who has his head above the sand should recognize by now that the unelected judiciary, what was supposed to be the weakest branch of government, has been accorded the status of sole and final arbiter of every social and political question in recent years. Which is why I hope you watched on Sunday 
Life, Liberty, and Levin. Dr. Coburn, former senator from Oklahoma. Mark Meckler, who runs the Convention of States organization. And our rather extensive discussion about Article 5 Convention of States, because that's really the only way out of this. But there is a subset of this judiciary that is particularly disturbing. In addition to overlap, excuse me, overstepping their jurisdiction, ignoring the Constitution, and abusing the rules of standing, courts are now using Obama's discretionary executive policies, many of which were lawless, as a new legal baseline, thereby prohibiting Trump from merely reverting back to the way things were before Obama unilaterally changed the law. Here are 13 examples. Ready? Executive amnesty. This must be the top on the top of anyone's list. Obama's unilateral violation of American sovereignty and immigration law was likely the most lawless act of an executive in recent memory. But when Trump simply countermanded that usurpation, a number of district judges, from William Alsop and Nicholas Garforis to John Bates, said he must continue issuing work permits and visas to people who, under the law, must be deported. Shockingly, the United States Supreme Court refused to grant the government an expedited appeal, despite the unprecedented circumstances, forcing the administration to first go through the crazy Ninth Circuit. Number two example, the president set refugee levels except for Trump. The law, 8 U.S.C., Section 1157A2, grants the president full authority to set the circumstances and numbers of refugees Yet several district judges, including Theodore Chong of Maryland, ruled that Trump must continue the refugee policies of Obama. Evidently, only Democrat presidents can set the refugee cap. Unfortunately, the administration gave in to these courts and modified the refugee provisions of the so-called travel ban. So this issue never had its day in the Supreme Court. Third example of judicial oligarchy. Temporary immigration status is really permanent. Temporary protected status, TPS, is designed to afford temporary residence to those here legally while a natural disaster happens to take place in their countries. Contrary to statute, Bush and Obama extended it to illegal aliens and made it permanent for many countries. Trump merely followed the statute and made this status temporary. Temporary. Yet Judge Denise Casper said that because Trump is a racist, a word temporary in the statute really means permanent. Example four of our judicial oligarchs, catch and release of bogus asylum seekers. Obama not only expanded the definition of asylum, but began releasing even adults who came here as bogus asylum seekers. Judge Dana Sabra mandated that Trump continue catch and release. Additionally, in July... James E. Bogsberg, judge, federal judge in the D.C. District, certified an entire class of Central American asylum seekers to lodge an injunction against five ICE offices for not continuing another Obama policy of granting parolees, uh, to, uh, of granting parole to aliens who pass the credible fear test. Bogsberg is also a member of the lawless FISA court. Example five of judicial oligarchy. Obama's visa programs are now the law. One of the many immigration programs Obama concocted by administrative fiat was a program to allow foreign entrepreneurs to circumvent the visa process 
and applied directly for parole. Trump respected the fact that only Congress can create this program and merely discontinued it. But Judge Boesberg once again ruled last December that he must continue it. Number six, take the census, but don't find out who's a citizen. In July, Judge Jesse Furman indicated during oral arguments he would side with the liberal states suing the Department of Commerce for adding a citizenship question on the 2020 census form. Granted, it was not just Obama who stopped asking these all-important questions, but the question was asked from the founding on up through the 1950s. But Trump can't simply restore this common-sense practice, says the judge. Number seven, Trump must continue Obama's contraception mandate. Last December, Judge Wendy Beetlestone ruled that the Trump administration must continue enforcing the Obama-era contraception mandate, forcing employers to directly or indirectly provide contraception as part of their mandated insurance benefits for their employees. The Supreme Court already invalidated Obama's mandate in the Hobby Lobby case, yet Obama found a way around it. Now Trump must continue Obama's discretionary policies. Example eight. Transgenders in the military from the time of George Washington until last year of Obama's presidency. Men who castrated themselves or imagined that they were women did not serve in the military. Obama changed that in 2016 without the approval from Congress. Yet several judges in Washington, Baltimore, and Seattle mandated that Trump admit them into the military and continue a policy that never existed before 2016. Judge Marvin Garbus of Baltimore, a Bush appointee, even ruled that the Pentagon must pay for the surgery. Every president as commander-in-chief can determine military enlistment qualifications, but not Donald Trump. Number nine, Obama's teenage pregnancy program is in the Constitution. In June, a federal district judge in Washington, D.C., Kentanji Brown Jackson, ordered the Trump administration to continue doling out $800 million in grants to private organizations to prevent teen pregnancies. This program never existed in this form until Obama has proved until Obama and has proven ineffective. But it must continue. Why? Because the judge said so. Example 10, Obama now sets regulations on cars forever. In April, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals issued an injunction on the Department of Transportation. It's delay of penalties to automakers that didn't comply with Obama's added corporate average fuel economy standards. Obama dramatically expanded the penalty, and his decisions are now final. And Trump is not allowed to reverse them, according to a judge. There's 13 of these. Number 11, Trump must regulate drainage ditches. In 2015, Obama declared that seasonal runoffs and ponds in your backyard are now navigable waters subject to federal water regulations. Trump merely restored the common-sense policy in place since 1980, defining navigable waters as, you know, waters that actually transport commercial ships, not breeding grounds for mosquitoes. But Judge David Norton, a George W. Bush appointee, ruled that Trump must continue Obama's policy despite a Georgia judge finding the policy itself to be unconstitutional. Number 12, hot air. Trump must continue Obama's methane policies. Last year, Judge William Oreck, this is a left-winger for sure, ordered Trump to continue Obama's lawless legislation of allowing the Bureau of Land Management, BLM, to regulate the venting and flaring of methane from oil and gas production. 
This has been devastating to our burgeoning natural gas industry. No statute on the books could conceivably grant such authority to the BLM. Ork is the same lawless Obama donor judge who declared a nationwide sanctuary policy attempting to block the Department of Justice from punishing sanctuary cities. And number 13, Obama regulated free speech of 3D gun blueprints. Trump must do the same. Obama's State Department dramatically expanded its authority under the Arms Export Control Act and international traffic and arms regulations to stop Americans from merely publishing CAD files of 3D gun prints. This is the First Amendment, not a gun issue. The Trump administration merely stopped regulating this particular activity, but Judge Robert Laskin ordered the Trump administration to block Cody Wilson from simply uploading a CAD file. Now, these are just the cases, writes Horowitz, off the top of my head. It is self-evident that unless the entire culture and scope of power of the judiciary is reformed wholesale, elections will no longer matter unless Democrats win. Uh, This is why Convention of States and Article 5, folks, are so crucial. And this is why I I discussed this at length with uh, Tom Coburn and Mark Meckler, leaders of the effort in the grassroots uh, community, on Fox on Sunday night at 10 p.m. I hope you saw it. If not, I would encourage you to go on the Internet and take a look if it's there. But uh, these judges are out of control, absolutely out of control. They've been out of control for decades. And Woodrow Wilson was right. If they can control the courts, then they don't really have to uh, mess too much with this inconvenient constitution with its separation of powers and different branches and federalism with the states and all the rest. We can interpret the law. We can control the country. That's what Woodrow Wilson believed. Seems to be right. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In addition to what Daniel Horowitz has written, I want you to listen to this policy. More than 700,000 overstayed their visas in 2017. It's from the Washington Free Beacon. Around 700,000 people overstayed their temporary visas in fiscal 2017, according to a recently released estimate from the Department of Homeland Security. 600,000 of these individuals are suspected to have remained in the country, according to the DHS, while the other 100,000 or so simply departed after their visas expired. The 700,000 count represents a tiny fraction of the nearly 53 million people admitted to the United States in FY17. Did you know there were 53 million people admitted into the United States? Now, why should we give citizenship to these people? Why should we give a pathway to legalization to these people? You know, I I ask this question all the time. The first issue we can address after the criminals and the rest, their asses are kicked out of here, is the people who overstay their visas. They represent close to 45% of all the people who are here illegally. To get a visa to come to the United States, you need to make certain representations under penalty of perjury. You go to your own country's embassy or consulate or equivalent of the State Department. You get the paperwork there. You have to sign it. It has to be submitted to the United States. Same thing has to be approved by our country. You're coming here on a visa. There's a slew of visas, all kinds of visas. 
teaching visas, student visas, entertainment visas, uh, art visas, this visa, that visa, farm worker visa, just a whole slew of them. And they're, they're given out uh, to people who are to be here temporarily with no expectation whatsoever that they will uh, stay in the United States beyond the, the length of the approved visa. And so 700,000 of them overstay their visas in one year. Adding to the list of illegal aliens. Now, they want you to believe everybody in here uh, just happened to come here because they're escaping tyranny or they're escaping this or they're escaping that or they're all three years old and they're crossing the border and otherwise they'll be killed by the, uh, the, the drug cartels. But, of course, we can't build a, war, a wall for the drug cartels. But, you know, the story goes on and on. Nearly half of the people here illegally came through the front door, through the visa program. Now, why do they get to stay? Their representations in their home country and in our country were lies, knowing lies. This was done maliciously. It was done with intent. And they paint the picture of all these people here illegally as, as, as one form of people, people who are suffering, people who are running, people who are who are in need and so forth, when, when 45% of them come into this country through the front door without a wall and won't leave. They just disappear into the ether. Yes, 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 yes. But we all know why this happens. Because um, white privilege, and of course, uh, if you're concerned about it, then you're obviously a racist. But the real reason this happens is because they assume many of these people will eventually get amnesty, will eventually be legalized, will eventually become citizens, their children will become citizens at birth. And hence, three out of four or four out of five will vote uh, of, the, of that population will vote Democrat. That's it. It's, it's, it's not that complicated. The Democrats don't do it because it's humane. I mean, if, if humanity were the issue, the Democrats would oppose abortion, but they don't. They campaign on it. And as the great Chelsea Clinton said, it's economically important to the country that we have abortions. Well, that women have abortions. Uh, let us go. Matt, Queens, New York, Sirius Satellite, go. Uh, Mark, I'm so grateful to speak to the great one. I, I told your call screener that... Um, many years I was a registered Democrat. I am now a registered Republican. Very yeah. proud. Thanks to people like Mark Levin and many others on uh, on Patriot Radio that have educated me. And I have family, frankly, and friends that I try to explain, um, you know, the facts of life and what's really going on. And I have a very difficult time, in, I don't want to use the word regurgitating, but putting back the information to help people understand uh, what's going on, you know, in the world, um, what's really going on, not the liberal left side that everyone that's constantly portrayed. So I guess I should say thank you for the opportunity to listen to uh, CRTV, I guess it is, or Levin TV. I will definitely subscribe. But the question I ask is, is it possible that perhaps you could create something, a document, a one-page document with the facts of what's really going on, that when I'm with someone or other people who are listeners, they could say, look, here's the facts. Here's what you really want to look at, because... To try and uh, to, to try and spit back at these people, um, what the facts are, whether it's Benghazi, whatever the facts, or whatever whatever the subject is. The salient well, sir, point, I can't do a one pager on whatever the subject is, as you understand. Maybe it could be something that people could click on a website. But well, uh, there is something. 
uh, and that really two things, and I mean this quite seriously. One is the Declaration of Independence, which I'm sure most of your relatives have never read from beginning to end. And I mean that I mean that earnestly. And the other is the Constitution, which is much, much shorter than, say, an IRS uh, tax form that the left loves. And they should read these things. And if they read these things and comprehend these things, then they're going to want to know more. No list of bulleted talking points that I could put together can do better than that. But I'll tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to send you two books, so don't hang up. I'm going to send you uh, Liberty and Tyranny, and I'm going to Plunder and Deceit. Uh, I know it's more than one page, but hopefully your liberal relatives are somewhat literate. I mean, I'm sure they read the New York Times. This would be more compelling. Or you can pull the information out of those books and create your own lists. As a matter of fact, at the end of Liberty and Tyranny are almost 40 points that I raise in there uh, that, uh, that, that might be worth you discussing with your relatives. So don't hang up, Matt. Mr. Producer, make sure we get his address and send him those two books, Liberty and Tyranny and Plunder and Deceit. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. You know, I uh, I was sent a note from our friends at Filterby from a new customer. And he said, I've been in the middle of a home renovation and there is drywall dust everywhere. Plus, the contractors are leaving the doors open and it's been over 100 degrees many days this summer. Now, last weekend, my AC unit, well, it stopped working on the second floor. Turns out that the filters were about 98% clogged with drywall dust, and it was choking the system. Buying filters was always a pain because, you know, my system needed custom sizes, he wrote. But with FilterBuy, they were able to me, uh, get me exactly what I needed fast and at a great price. Thank you for advertising with Mark Levin, and we thank you. Because of stories like this, FilterBuy is America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. Choose from over 600 sizes that ship for free within 24 hours, and they're manufactured in America. Save 5% when you subscribe for auto replacement. We receive your filters on a schedule, and then you just know to automatically take out the dirty, filthy filters and replace them with fresh ones. Save time, save money, breathe better with FilterBuy.com. That's FilterBuy.com. FilterBuy.com. And tell them Mark sent you. What a great product, great service, great company, quite frankly. That's what they are. Now, uh, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris has been a United States senator for less than two years. She's accomplished exactly nothing. But she's a grandstander. And she's a grandstander of the radical left. And she wants to be president of the United States. And she sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee. So while there are legitimate questions they ask the nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, she will not ask legitimate questions. She will pull a Ted Kennedy. She'll be vicious. She will make poisonous accusations. And she will be playing to the hardcore left-wing base of her party. 
You know, there was a time when somebody like Kamala Harris, and I'm not talking about race or gender, would be ruled out automatically as unqualified to be president of the United States. You know, John Kennedy had served a short term in the House, and he served a, a period in the Senate, and he was considered fairly inexperienced. But Barack Obama broke that mold. He'd been in the Senate about two years, and he decided he was presidential material. And we're still paying the price for that with the Chinese, with the Russians, with the North Koreans, with the Iranians, in Syria. And I shouldn't even say he or we. They are paying the price, the people, the refugees, and so forth. But in the United States, of course, we are paying that price with this disastrous Obamacare, open borders, massive debt, you name it. So Kamala Harris thinks that she's what the nation needs. And they're already telling us that we're not able to criticize any female politician. Because if you criticize a female politician, you're obviously sexist. Senator Kristen, Kirsten Gillibrand pulled that recently when President Trump supported her female opponent and criticized her. She blamed the president, said he's sexist. She's been largely silent when it comes to Keith X, a.k.a. Keith Ellison, who's accused of sexual uh, abuse and domestic abuse against his uh, longtime former, not even a girlfriend, more than a girlfriend, lover. But then again, we know that Kirsten Gillibrand has no principles whatsoever. She used to campaign with Bill Clinton and then said he should have resigned the presidency. So Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, who else is out there? Uh, Others who think their time has come and who really don't have anything to offer the country except the usual left-wing pablum. You know, Mark, uh, I'm feeling very comfortable about the next election and the election about that. You know, pass the potato chips. This is how you lose elections. This is how you lose sporting events. This is how you lose wars. Serious, committed people who are resolute. That's how you win. It's very, very important that we stay focused. Let us go to Ross, Eureka, California, on Sirius Satellite. Go! Oh, great one. Say it's Y-Eureka. Y-R-E-K. Oh, where the hell is that? Well, it's about 250 miles north of Rio Linda, up by Mount Shasta. Well, there you go. <laughs> Say that uh, episode I watched all your live-in TVs last night was just uh, extra special. Thank kind you. You mean the Fox Show? Website and donate fifty dollars a month for the rest of my life. So, oh geez, well you're very well, kind. The Tom Colburn, Mark Mackler, you guys were just real super duper. This this was stuff. Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox last yeah, night. Life, Liberty, yeah. and Levin on Fox. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm a charter subscriber to CRTV, too. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Well, by the way, I'm not getting my veterans discount, but I don't care. No, you call them and tell them. That's a mistake <laughs> in the, or seriously, in the system. Okay. <laughs> you you got to say, I'm a vet, and get your discount. Okay. Well, you do a great job, and I thank you. And uh, Well, what what did you think? Coburn and Meckler were really good, weren't they? Well, they were dynamite, and so were you. I mean, it was everything was just right down the line. And, uh, I would highly recommend anybody go back and, and watch that. And that website for the donations is 
convention of states. I thought it might be phony, so I called the phone number, and somebody answered live. I figured I might be sending the money to Southern Poverty Law Center or something. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. (laughs) What do they have, like a billion dollars or something? Uh, Way too much, for sure. (laughs) Well, this Article 5 Convention of States is very, very important. You know, I was part of the Reagan Revolution, the Tea Party Revolution, and we're very much hoping that... uh, we can uh, bring our Constitution back. And in order to do that, <clears throat> we need to redefine what the left has has defined, uh, which is not in the Constitution. And, you know, the Supreme Court, by a five to four vote, uh, amends the Constitution, nationalizes social issues and cultural issues. We have a massive bureaucracy that's passing law after law after law, standing between us and representative government. And so we need to control the federal lawmakers. We need to control the courts. We need to control all these things. And the framers would want us to. Let me ask you this, Ross. As I pointed out last night on Sunday, does anybody really believe that the framers of the Constitution wrote a Constitution where the Supreme Court would be as powerful as it is today? Uh, No way in the world. Does anybody believe that the state legislatures, through these conventions in their states, would have ratified a constitution which would have given so much power from the states to the Supreme Court or some bureaucracy? Does anybody believe that constitution would have been ratified? No, and they don't believe these federal judges who come up with these wild ideas they have and stop everything our president wants to do. I'm sick of it. So everybody else. Yeah, and I, and I have in my book, the Liberty Amendments, one of the reform amendments is to term limit start with uh, Supreme Court justices. I mean, if you're going to be a politician, if you're going to decide these issues, then uh, 14 years is enough. Ross, thank you, my friend. Much. Uh, are you still there, Ross? Yeah, thank you, great one. All, all right, don't, uh, all don't hang up. I'm going to send you a copy of the Liberty Amendments. Don't hang up. Another book to Ross. I'm not hawking anything. Wait a minute. I meant to tell you folks something. It's a little early, but I want to tell you anyway. Any police officers out there? Law enforcement? Retired? Anybody with a father, a mother, an uncle? Who are cops or in law enforcement? And those of us who, who don't have parents in law enforcement or children in law enforcement. For the last two years, my wonderful father, Jack Levin, has written and illustrated, you know, he's an artist as well, a book on police officers, on law enforcement. And the title is Our Police. And it is written and illustrated for children, I would say ages three to eight, three to nine, something like that. And it is a beautiful book. You know, my father's 93 now. And he, 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 he doesn't want to give up on the country. He's not going to give up on the country. And he said, I am tired of the way the police are talked about in this country. When I was growing up, we revered the police. We didn't focus on one bad apple here, one bad apple there. They existed, of course, and they exist in every walk of life, every profession and so forth. He said, but I think at a young age, children need to know that the police protect us that the police maintain our society, that the police make it possible to walk on the street and so forth and so on. And so it is a beautiful little book. It's illustrated by him. 
He does the color. Of course, he does the wording. That is the, the authorship. I, I write the preface to the book. It is a beautiful book. And like all of his books for young people, it's a heavy quality type of paper in the book. The cover jumps out at you. And I would encourage you to take a look at it. I, I posted a link to it on my social sites, Mark Levin Show, Facebook, Mark Levin Show, Twitter. But you can go directly to Amazon.com. Just type in Amazon.com, Our Police, Jack Levin. Or maybe just Our Police. And you can pre-order a copy there. They come out October 30th, and that'll be here before you know it. Wonderful book for for. for Young people, wonderful book for young people uh, t- to uh, to remind them of uh, of the importance of our police, to have respect for our police. And this is what my father does. He wants young people to have respect for our history, for our political institutions, uh, for our Constitution, for our Declaration, uh, to understand history, the Revolutionary War, the Civil War. He's written, he's, he's done books on all these subjects. He's really quite remarkable. And, uh, and then he said, I need to write a book, an illustrated book for young people about our police officers. So I hope you'll check that out. It's early, I know. But you can go to Amazon.com, Our Police, Jack Levin. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. you go online, your internet provider and advertising companies can track what you do and sell your personal information. Plus, the NSA is gobbling up information. Now, folks, how do you protect yourself? What if I give you a solution? What if I tell you how to do it? Will you do it? I'm doing it. Computer experts recommend using a VPN. Now, the software I use it's called ExpressVPN. Makes it super easy for anyone to stay private online. It is the best, in my opinion. They're rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar. Now, these days, I don't use the Internet without ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN's apps take just minutes to set up and afterwards run seamlessly in the background of my computer and smartphone. You install the program, then turn on ExpressVPN protection with a single click. It is simple, it is easy, and it is comprehensive in its protection. ExpressVPN secures and makes your internet data encrypted and uh, you anonymous, and it hides your IP address. does all these things. That means nobody, nobody can record or access your online activity. So if you want to protect yourself from hackers, from spy agencies, and your ISP, visit expressvpn.com slash mark. And I urge you to do it immediately. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, expressvpn.com slash mark, and get their special offer, three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. Don't expose yourself. Remain private. Go to visit expressvpn.com slash mark today. They're a brand new sponsor. 
As soon as I spoke to these folks, I knew we had a match. Visit expressvpn.com slash mark today. All right, I know you've heard this all day long, but I have to do it too just because I, well, I want to. Al Sharpton, Aretha Franklin, respect, cut 15, go. But I think you might have learned a lesson this week. Sometimes the dog bites back with a book deal. And while we're talking about female canines, you know what they say about payback? It's a real, well, you, I'm sure you know the word I'm thinking of. So in the words of my late friend Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. Mm-hmm. Instead, he showed some S-T-U-P-I-D. It's not the first time. Try this. Go. But resist, we much. We must and we will much about that be committed. <laughs> well, you have to admit, MSLSD does have its standards. All right. Let's close with a call or two, shall we? Yeah, let's give it a try. Let's see. Uh, let us go to Johnny. Johnny, Louisville, Kentucky, the great WVLK country. Go. It's an honor, a uh, great one. Uh, back in the day, uh, I was an INS agent under under the Clinton administration, <clears throat> and they had, a, they had an initiative called Citizenship USA. Basically, they ramrodded mm-hmm. everybody and their mother through the system without criminal background checks. We were, we were, we were uh, pitching a fit about it. But I don't know if you recall that. Oh, I recall that it was about a million in record time, maybe a year, 18 months. Uh, They tried to do it before the election. And they had us working security at the arena. And they literally had voter registration registration booths, or several of them anyway. And and they were asking, uh, you know, the people as they're coming out, you know, Republican or Democratic, Clinton, Clinton. And that's all, you know, it it, Mm -hmm. it was a farce. It's, It's pathetic. You know, anybody that says the Democrats aren't trying to get, you know, these these uh, immigrants coming in uh, to... Uh, yeah, they're liars. They're they're, look, as I've said a thousand times, if they were Republicans or they thought they'd be Republican, they'd be building a wall themselves. It'd be uh, 100 feet wide and 100 feet high. And uh, the other, the other uh, area they're working on are our prisons. Our prisons. And yep. people newly uh, released from prison. They're trying to change the laws in all these states as they get elected governor and so forth uh, to allow people who, who've committed the felonies, even serious felonies in many cases, uh, to return their right to vote, even though they lost it when they committed the, the offense. So uh, the Democrats will do anything to win. And then when they win, uh, they'll do anything to retain power. And if they lose, they'll do anything to destroy the individual or party that has defeated them. And hence we have... Come full circle. They're out to get Trump by hook or by crook. Thank you for your call, Johnny, and your service. I remember the old INS. I really do. Bill, Raleigh, North Carolina, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hello, Mark. It's a pleasure and honor to speak with you. Thank you. I, heard, I, saw, something, I saw something on a blog that I, I didn't understand where Donald Trump said that uh, he had a good relationship with Rosenstein. He met with him weekly, two or three times a week. And I just it just boggled my mind, and I just wondered if it's bogus or if you could shed any light on that. I have no idea. I think I read the same thing, but I don't. And uh, well, it doesn't even matter. He he may meet with him weekly because he's the deputy attorney general of the United States. President is still supposed to oversee 
you know, the government. He is the uh, person under Article 2. Says he has a great relationship with him. He may have a great relationship with him. But Rubens, uh, uh, Rosenstein is two-faced. Rosenstein has done very, very bad things as far as I'm concerned. And he's working with uh, Mueller now to determine whether or not the president should be subpoenaed. Thank you for your call. We salute all you heroes out there. We have an absolutely wonderful Levin TV tonight for our subscribers. I hope you'll check it out. And join us again tomorrow right here behind the microphone. God bless you and take care.